Shalom, friends. Welcome back to Access. We don't have handouts today. Uh, we are doing a short little study. It's more of a devotional style study. I will be posting the handout on our Facebook group. So if you're not yet part of our Facebook group, uh, please join us. And all of our studies are listed there. You have several years of resources, all right, where you could study along with us. And, and the handouts are all there under the files tab. Also, if you miss any of our studies, please check out our podcast. Um, you could get it on Apple Music, on Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts as well. All right. Also, check out our website at connectionsministries.com. So I notice um, we've been missing a few people today. I got a bunch of text messages. A bunch of text messages from my friends saying, sorry, Tim, we can't make it today. Um, COVID. Sorry, we can't make it today. I'm not feeling well. I got an itchy, itchy throat. And my kids are not cooperating. You know? So everybody's like not feeling well. How many of you here today are feeling well? Yeah? I hope you're all feeling well. If you're not feeling well, stay home. Okay? Keep us all safe. Our, our lesson today, it's called... Be well. And we're going to be doing a little bit of an acronym. So there are four main points you're going to be walking away with today. Okay, and we're going to be breaking down W-E-L-L. How is it that we are to be well? You know, I'd say to my friends, whenever I, I leave them, I'm like, okay, it was great seeing you. Bye. Be well. It's almost like a blessing I want to say over them. I'm saying be well. If you want to live well you got to be well. How can we be well? That's the question we're answering today. So the first one is going to be W. W is for worshiping. Be ever worshiping. Be ever worshiping. It's not only on Saturdays when you come here to praise gathering, all right, where you worship. It's not only when you sit down at home and play the worship music that you're worshiping. You could be worshiping all the time. Everything you could do is, can be an act of worship to God. So be ever worshiping. Okay? Check this out. There's a verse here in Psalm 150, verse 6, that says, Let everything that has breath praise Jehovah. Praise Jehovah. Hallelujah. All right? Who has breath today? Yeah? You all have breath. You're breathing. You're, you're alive. You're here. So let everything that has breath Praise Jehovah God. Okay? So that's what we're meant to do. That's what we're created for. Okay? We were created to worship our Creator. It was built into His design when He fashioned mankind in His image. Okay? Let's look at the next verse. John 4, 23 to 24. This is Yeshua speaking. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When the true worshipers will worship the Father spiritually and truly, for these are the kind of people the Father wants worshiping Him. God is spirit, and worshipers must worship Him in spirit and truth. Spiritually and truly. Have you heard that verse before? Have you heard that concept? You have to worship Him in spirit and in truth? Well, most translations read it that way. Okay, but that word spirit, they say, oh, that means you worship by the Holy Spirit. No, friends, this is uh, a misunderstanding. It says worship him with your human spirit. It's part of who you are. 
you're bringing that to him, okay? The word spirit here doesn't refer to Ruach HaKodesh or the Holy Spirit. It refers to the human spirit. And Yeshua's he's making a point here that a person must worship not simply by the external things, okay? Not by just conforming to all our religious rituals, lighting candles and, you know, saying how many Hail Marys, okay? And it's not just by going to church. It's not just practicing things outwardly, okay? It's this inward, in spirit, with the proper heart attitude. Remember, God doesn't look at the outward appearance and all those rituals that we carry out. He's looking at the attitude of your heart, and that's very important. You know, if you have a phone, feel free to pull it out and, and make notes if you want. You could take down these Bible verses, and you could go over them again in your own time. You could also visit our website and, and pick up the study guide from there. The reference to truth there, worship him in spirit and truth, is very important, okay? Our worship of God has to be consistent with the revelation of God in the scriptures, not our ideas of who God is. It has to be consistent with the scriptures, who he says in the scriptures. That's how he revealed himself. So we can't make up our own idea of who God is, okay? If we have no knowledge of God, there is no worship in truth. And spirit without truth, it leads to the shallow, overly emotional experience, doesn't it? You could go to any, any gathering and the music's great and the singers are awesome and the, the lights are great and you walk in and you feel like, oh, what a wonderful worship experience I had. And you walk away and you have the spiritual high and you feel like you're on fire for God and you're like, I really worshipped today because all the external things were, were good. Now, I could walk into a nice movie theater, and the sound is good, the lights are great, atmosphere, the temperature is not too hot, not too cold, and I feel like I had a really good movie experience. That's just consuming the external things, friends. To worship God in spirit and truth, it means you're lifting up something from within yourself, and you're going to God with the truth of who he is, not what you think he is or how you feel about him. The more we know about God, the more we appreciate him. The more we appreciate, the deeper our worship. And the deeper our worship, the more God is glorified. Yes? We covered this last time we met together, Exodus 20. That's where we find what's normally called the Ten Commandments. And like we discussed before, it's not just a list of commands. It's not a list of rules. These are God's declarations. It's called the Decalogue or the Ten Words. Okay, so what we're looking at here in Exodus 20 are the Ten Words of God. And we're, we're only going to be looking at the first four words that he did, that he, that he spoke to Moses at the mountain. The first thing he says is, I am Jehovah your God, the one, that led you out of the one that led you out of Egypt, out of the bonds of slavery. Does that sound like a command to you? No. But this is the first word. So it's not the Ten Commandments. It's the Ten Words. And the first word God used was to reveal who he is with his proper name, Jehovah, Yahuwah, Yahweh, Right? He identifies himself with his proper name, and then he identifies himself with what he did for these people. 
I delivered you out of slavery. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. The second word, he said, listen, you shall have no other gods before me. Okay? You're not allowed to carve any images and bow down and worship anything. In other words, worship only me. Worship and serve only Jehovah. The next word, so important that he wanted to declare, do not use the name of Jehovah lightly. Some people think that means saying things like a curse. You know, when people say, oh my God, oh, you took the name in vain. No, that, God isn't even his name. Okay, it's a title, an identifier. His name's Jehovah or Yahuwah or Yahuwah. Don't worry, we're going to do some studies on that next time, on the holy name. But don't use his name lightly. What does that mean? If we profess to be believers and followers of God and his son Yeshua, okay, but we act and think and speak in profane ways, if we conduct our life in a way that misrepresents God, you call yourself a believer but you misrepresent him by the way that you live. Even the way that we think, we take his name in vain. Wow. It's not just saying, oh my God. That's too easy, right? He's teaching us how to worship him. If you're going to be worshiping him, then you have no other gods you don't bow down to anything. You don't give your attention to something else more than you give to God first. And you live your life accordingly. Don't take his name in vain. When we misrepresent him, we dishonor him, we disrespect him. And living this way is actually denying him. If you deny him, what right do you have coming before him asking anything? And the fourth word that he gives is, remember the day Shabbat. Remember the day Shabbat to set it apart. This is the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath, a day of rest. It's a time that's set apart for him. He says it's his Shabbat, okay? In Hebrew, all the other days of the week don't have names. You have first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, and Shabbat. It's a special day, so special that Jehovah God gave it a name. And he says, this is my Shabbat. Don't forget it. Keep it set apart. Be holy because I'm holy. And this time it's set apart, it's holy. Okay? We ought to be worshiping God every day, yes? Okay? However, this weekly Sabbath belongs to Jehovah, and we are instructed to cease from our work. Some people think that it's a bunch of rules, a bunch of do's and don'ts. But what he says is, stop working. Stop building your kingdom. Trust in me. Know that I am sufficient. I will provide everything that you need. I'm your creator. I'm your sustainer. I'm your life giver. I'm the one you put your trust in. You don't need to work. Test it. If you feel like, oh, but I have to work, I'm going to lose my job. And God says, maybe that's not the job I have for you. Easier said than done, right? 
I admit, I used to work on, on Shabbat. And I started to feel really conflicted about it once upon a time. And I, it wasn't because I was afraid I'd go to hell if I didn't, you know, keep Shabbat. But when I started to keep Shabbat, friends, I stopped working. I turned off my phone. I worked with my family, right? And it's easy to talk about work when you're together. I tell my family, listen, it's Shabbat. I'm not working. We're not talking business. We keep that, we keep that aside. This is my time with God, my time with family. I'm going to stop, cease from the work and the rest to enjoy worshiping my creator and to be fully satisfied in him. How many of you like sports? Any kind, any kind of sports? Yeah, you like the Raptors? You're still going to admit it? I like them. I still, I, I'm a follower, right? Um, I, I started watching the Leafs again, you know, because it, it was a pretty promising, tough stuff, right, this week? Yeah. It was good. It's, it's exciting. You give it your attention and you're invested and, and you care about it and, and you, you set the part of time to watch the game. If you follow your sports team, you're going to set some time aside so you could follow them and watch what they're doing. If you love God, wouldn't you set apart the time that he set? He says, listen, this is my time with you. Set that time aside, forget everything else, and just enjoy knowing what God's up to. He'll reveal something to you. So being a worshiper, friends, worshiping him for who he is, for what he's done, having no other gods before him, not taking his name lightly, don't be a consumer Christian that just plays the songs when you feel like you need something, okay? But live it. Live it right. Represent God well. Glorify him by living the right way. Alright? E. Remember, we're doing be well. E is for expectant. Be ever expectant. I love this passage here. 1 John 5, 14 to 15. This is the confidence we have in his presence. If we ask anything that accords with his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, then we know that we have what we have asked from him. Have you heard of the prosperity gospel? This is used a lot of the time to tell people, listen, if you go to God and you ask him anything, you just have to say you believe in God, right? Say that you're a follower of Yeshua, and, and then he'll give you whatever you want. That's not what this verse is talking about. There's a very important Line there, if we ask anything that accords with his will. How do we know what his will is? Sometimes we pray and we ask and we hope. Okay, God, I really want this job or I really want to go on this vacation or I really want to sit with that girl. Please, if it's your will, make it happen. Does that sound familiar? Oh, come on, we all prayed like that before. Eh? Was it just me? No, we all do it because we don't know how to approach God. We don't know who he is. We don't know how he works. And we just think, oh, well, what do I get out of it? If I'm going to give my time to God, I better get something out of it. God gives us something better. He's like, listen, I have better things than what you want for yourself. If you could learn to trust me, then you could expect that I'm faithful to my promises. And one of the promises is, if you ask anything in accordance with my will, because it's good for you, and I know this is what I want for you, then that's what you're receiving from God. It's not what you want, but God gives you what you need. 
Yeah? Does that sound like a bad deal? Oh, God's given me what I need? But that's not what I want. Oh, it sounds selfish, doesn't it? So if that's you in your heart today, I'm not judging you, but a little bit of a wake-up call, okay? When you pray to God, sure, you could ask what you want. Make sure it's in accordance with his will. Why should you go and ask God for something you know is against his will? Right? He's not Santa Claus. He's not a genie. Okay? What's your relationship with God like? Are you afraid of him? You know, um, in my younger years, I was afraid of my dad. That uh, if there was something I wanted, I knew I could ask my dad. But if I wasn't doing too well, I didn't trust that my dad would actually give me what I was asking for. Okay. But then later when I got in trouble and I didn't know anywhere else to turn, I knew there was nowhere else I could turn but my dad. When I got myself in trouble... And I really needed him, and there was nothing I could do. It didn't matter how much I messed up. I knew that I could go and ask my dad, because he's the only one that would care. Maybe my mom, all right? The only one that would care. But based on that relationship, once you build that trusting relationship with God through worship, then you could start expecting that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. You might not trust it until you have that relationship with him, okay? So it starts with worship before you can really start expecting anything. How do we know what God wants? It's all laid out in the Holy Scriptures, isn't it? I find so many of my friends asking me, well, what does God want? Why should I spend time with him? I'm like, he, he gave us his Holy Scriptures. If you take time to read it, if you seek him through the Scriptures, he laid it all out there already. He's revealed so much in the Torah, and he's spoken through his prophets through all those centuries. If you take time to read and study and learn, and maybe Shabbat is the perfect time to do that, build that relationship with God and learn how to be expectant with him. Expectancy has more to do with um, trusting and hoping and having faith in his faithfulness. Let's continue on to the next verse. Hebrews 11 is known as the faith chapter in the Bible. And it says, faith or trusting is being confident of what we hope for and convinced about what we don't see. Can you trust where God is leading you? Do you trust that he has a plan? As some people are skeptical, cynical, and they just can't be convinced until they see the evidence for themselves. And even then, they still might not trust and believe. Okay? Don't expect, the, don't expect things from God based on your fears. Okay? Don't expect the worst based on your fears and your doubts. Live with expectation based on God's truth and his promises because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. I love the Psalms. When you read through the Psalms, there's a whole bunch of worship there. 
Psalm 62, verse 5 to 6 reads, My soul, wait in silence for God alone, because my hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and salvation, my stronghold. I won't be moved. When you see somebody in trouble and they're able to sing a song like this, it reveals something about his relationship with God, doesn't it? It reveals that he has a trusting relationship with God. He knows that he is his stronghold, that he's his salvation, and you wait on him. Trusting God doesn't mean praying to God and then trying to maneuver and make things happen yourself. Trusting means waiting on him to move, waiting on him to guide you, to move you, to do what he wants you to do. If you don't take time to sit in the scriptures and know what God wants, your worship isn't going to go very deep. You can't expect much from God because you don't trust him. Just one thing about the Psalms before we move on to L. Okay. I love reading through the Psalms. It's filled with so much about the relationships with God. I see things like people crying out to him in times of need, praising him both in good times and in bad. I get reassured that he's still working even when I can't see it. I see people pouring their heart out and developing a love for God's word. I see submission, my will to his. Not my will, but his will be done. And letting him teach me and guide me. Learning to trust God and allowing myself to surrender to him. Here's a quick tip, friends. If you don't know where to start in the scriptures, if you haven't picked up your Bible in a while, start in the Psalms. Okay? Just start in the Psalms. Crack open the Bible somewhere right in the middle. You're going to find it. And there are just a whole bunch of songs. All right? If you're having difficulty living life as a worshiper, get started in the Psalms because it's filled with so much of this heartfelt and sincere worship in truth revealed by who God is in the scriptures. L is for, all right, come on. L is for learning. What was W? Worshiping E, expectant, thank you. And L, learning, okay? See, stay with me because I'm going to have these little pop quizzes every now and then. All right, here we go. Be ever learning. I love Psalms. Once again, look at this. Make me, know your, make me know your ways, Jehovah. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. My hope is in you all day long. Be ever learning. Do you want to learn his ways? Check this out. There's another passage here, Jeremiah 6, verse 16. Here's what Jehovah says. Now, when, it, when the scriptures say, here's what Jehovah says, you better pay attention. Okay, this is his words. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask about the ancient paths. Which one is a good way? Take it and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not take it. That sounds pretty bad, huh? He's showing them where to go. And ask, which one is the good way to go? 
And he says, take it and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, nope, we're not going to take it. Nope, we'll just do our own thing. Nope, me and God, we're good. I don't have to do anything different. I I'm happy as it is. Now, what is this good way? The good way is found in the ancient paths. And the ancient paths refer to Jehovah's word, his ways, his Torah that was revealed to Mo Moses. Okay? The Torah is where we find what the good way is. The Torah are his instructions for living. If you don't know Torah, it's usually referring to the first five books in the, in the Bible as we know it today. Okay, and Torah, it's really that. It's instructions. It's not a, a set of rules. No, instructions for living. This is the way to live. This is the good way. This is what I would have you to do. If you want to know what the good way is, go back to the Torah. Every other path ultimately leads to destruction. So learn Torah, learn his ways, and keep on the path that he's already placed before you. Let's look at the last line of this verse. God was using the prophet Jeremiah to warn the people, okay, to warn them of destruction because they willfully chose not to seek the ancient paths. Friends, if you see the world that we're living in today, Come on, you know, that we're, you know that we're going downhill. You know that we're going downhill. You know that we're on a path to destruction on the large scale. You know that everything's twisted and things are going against the ways of God, yes? If you don't see that, wake up. If you don't see it, wake up. If you don't have a desire to seek the ancient paths, to seek God and His will, then you very might well be on that path to destruction. Like these people said, nope, we will not do it. Nope, we will not follow God. Wake up. Time is short. How are you living? What is your relationship with God like today? Wake up. There's so much more to life than the things that this world has to offer. So much more to life. If you want to experience joy, if you want to experience uh, shalom, this peace of God today as you live your life, friends, it's available to you. It's available to everybody, okay? If you seek him and you seek the ancient paths. I'm not here to judge you if you haven't been reading the scripture. And it's more than just reading it's more than just saying that you believe. It's trusting and obeying. Amen? God still makes sure that his word, the word that proceeds out of his mouth, does not return to him empty. His word is more than just a scripture. When we say God's word, it's talking about his active will. Okay? His active will. Let's look at the next one. This is Yeshua speaking. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that what it just said in Jeremiah? 
When you seek the ancient paths and you walk the good way, you will find rest for your souls. And then Yeshua, he comes down, and he's known as the Word that became flesh. God's Word from the Torah, God's Word through the prophets like Jeremiah and Isaiah, God's Word was being drowned out in people's minds. They couldn't hear it anymore. That he needed to send his son Yeshua to come in the flesh and live it out, to be an example for people to follow. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You know know what the yoke is? It's not the yellow part of the egg. Okay? A yoke, it's like, it's a term used in the agricultural world where um, the, maybe it's a carabao, right? The carabao, they plow the field, and there's a harness on, on both, they walk in pairs, and there's a harness that puts them both together so that you want to make straight lines as you're plowing in the field, right? So you have to walk in step with the other carabao, okay? Or the other beast of burden. And as you're walking, if one starts to slow down, is the line going to be straight? No, you kind of start to pivot, and it goes off course. So what the yoke does, it says, hey, come on, pick it up. Or if one person's running ahead, it goes, hold on, you're going too fast. Keep in step with Yeshua. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Don't rush ahead thinking you know too much. Don't lag behind because you're afraid or you don't really care. Keep in step with me. That's what he's saying. Check this out, guys. Since we're talking about L is for learning, let's learn this. God's word was manifested in the flesh, in the person of his son, Yeshua. When we look at these passages again, we can gain a greater appreciation of what Yeshua was saying when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way, the good way, the ancient paths. You see how all these verses start to come together, and it's being revealed and fulfilled in the person of Yeshua. This is so exciting. All the ancient path stuff, he's saying, listen, It's still here. It's still now. This is still God's word. God's word was manifested in the flesh in the person of his son, Yeshua. And Yeshua collected a group of disciples to follow him, to learn from him. Now, what are disciples? Disciples are simply learners. Learners. They're students. And we all always hear about Jesus and the disciples, right? We always hear about it. It was Yeshua and his learners, okay? And they didn't just learn about what he said, but how he does what he does, okay? They imitate the way that he conducts himself. They imitate his stride, his posture, and others would know a rabbi's followers simply by looking at their disciple. Oh, you must be a disciple of Yeshua because that's what he looks like. That's what he does. If we are followers of Yeshua, if we are followers of the ancient paths, if somebody were to look at your life, would they be able to say, wow, you must be a follower of Yehovah God. You must be a believer. 
Can they look at your life and know that you're a learner? Well, once again, not here judging, but giving you a goal, friends. Be ever learning. Be a learner. But okay, we don't have Yeshua here today with us physically. We can't see him. It was easier for the disciples then, but what about now? Check this out. This is what Yeshua said to his learners. He said in John 14, 26, But the Counselor, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, from the Father, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. That is, he will remind you of everything I have said to you. He will remind you of everything that you already know. Now, some people say, I don't need to read the scriptures. I believe in Yeshua. I believe in Jesus, so I have the Holy Spirit, and he's going to tell me. How do you know the voices in your head if it is in accordance with God's word, if you don't know his word? Oh, I don't have to listen to that. Uh, God's going to guide me. Okay, but how do you know it's God guiding you? If you don't know God, you don't have that relationship, you don't worship, you don't trust and obey, you don't learn from him. You'll be easily deceived and fall for any other deceiving spirit that whispers in your ear. Itching ears. It tells us what we want. Friends, this one's going to be a little harsh. Okay? There are so many so-called Christians in the world today that take on the name of Jesus Christ. And they call themselves a Christian because they attend a certain church and because they said the, the prayer that says, oh, I believe, I repent, and um, save me, and now I'm a Christian. They're not worshiping God every day. They're not learning to trust him, and they're not spending time in his word. They don't see him as holy. He's kind of an add-on, like a ticket. All right? Okay, well, I got Jesus now, so now I can live my life whatever way I want. A prosperity gospel, let me ask anything in his name, and it's mine. Yay, Mercedes-Benz. Do you know Christians like this? This is why I'm so passionate about saying, wake up. All right? Because there's so many people that have already heard the word, and they're just consuming whatever they want for themselves. They're not learning. You know, sometimes life looks so good for them. And they, be, they look so prosperous, making a lot of money, have a great job, this and that. Yay. And everybody in the church almost worships them. Oh, look at that guy. He could help me. He could help me. I want to be like him. Look. Life gets easy here in this world when we're not following God. Okay? I'll say it again. Sometimes life gets really easy when we're not trying to follow God. If the enemy has you already, he doesn't have to try and sway you. He'll just give you more of what you're already getting if you don't know God. Tell your friends. <laughs> Tell your friends. One thing I learned from the life of Yeshua, he didn't go out of his way to offend people. He went out of his way to speak the truth to people. 
and many got offended by that truth. As followers of Yeshua, we have to be bold and courageous to declare God's truth through our life, through how we're living and what we say. Don't be afraid of offending other people with the truth. You're going to lose a lot of friends. <laughs> You're going to lose a lot of friends along the way, and that's okay. Life isn't about making friends here on earth. Life is about worshiping God, trusting and obeying God. It's about learning from God. Yes? Anything less, those are the other gods that you're placing before him. Ask about the ancient paths. Ask which one is the good way and walk in it. Keep in step with the Ruach HaKodesh and stay on the path that God has placed before you. And here's the last L. So what was the W? Be ever worshiping. E? Expectant. Be ever expectant. L? Learnings. Yes, good. Be ever learning. And this L? Light. Be ever light. If you had a Bible and you opened it up, Genesis chapter 1, you know it's that creation story. It's the very beginning of the Bible, right? I'll read the first five verses. We're going back to the first passage in the Torah. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was unformed and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the water. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So there was evening and there was morning one day. I love this. Let there be light. As a kid, I used to try to be that smart aleck kid, like I knew it all. And I'm like, well, how could there be light if God didn't create the sun and the moon until the fourth day? What was this light that they're talking about here? The Hebrew word for light used here in this passage is or. O-W-R. Or. And this Hebrew word or means illumination or enlightenment, and it's closely associated with life and joy and, and goodness. And then the Hebrew word choshek is used for darkness. And this word choshek, it, it expresses a sense of blindness, misery, falsehoods, and ignorance. It means something that leads to death and destruction. Now with this understanding, we're going to look at a few more verses on light. Ephesians 5, 8 to 10. For you used to be darkness, but now, united with the Lord, you are light. So live like children of light. For the fruit of the light is in every kind of goodness, rightness, and truth. Try to determine what pleases the Lord. John 8, verse 12. Yeshua spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light which gives life. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For it is the God who once said, Let light shine out of darkness, who made his light shine in our hearts, the light of the knowledge of God's glory, shining in the face of the Messiah Yeshua. And Matthew 5, 14. 
He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So friends, do you see how from the very beginning, God has been concerned with light, with revelation, illumination, and enlightenment. When he, see, when he said, let there be light, he was saying, let light exist and keep on existing. Let it become light. Light just keeps growing and going and growing and going. This is light, and darkness can never overcome it. The light expels the darkness. Friends, if there's still dark corners in your heart, if there are still dark corners in your life, allow God's light to shine in your heart. That's how he draws you out of the darkness. And you don't have to face this life alone. You don't have to try and do it on your own. If you're living well, that is worshiping him, trusting and obeying him, learning from him, then friends, light is a natural fruit, the natural byproduct of having this relationship with God. You don't have to try to be light. It just is. As God is light, he says, I am that I am. He wants us to become like him. Like his son Yeshua. He wants us to walk in this way. He wants us to grow in light. To glorify him. God is all about his name. He's all about his glory. He's all about making himself known to his creation. And he presents himself. Check this out. Pay close attention. God presents himself as father. And he presents Yeshua as his son. And that those who believe... That is, worship him, trust him, learn from him, and walk in obedience to him. Those are his family. So we have Father God, Yehovah. We have his son, Yeshua. And then everybody that lives well is his family. What was the purpose of us doing this study today? Friends, if we're calling him Father God... We're acknowledging that he is head of our family. All right? And he made his son Yeshua the head of the body, which you are a part of. And if you try to operate apart from the head of the body, guess what? It's like you're severing yourself. You're cutting yourself off, and you're not partaking in the joys of being part of the body of Christ. I love you because you're part of my family. Maybe you have a messed up relationship with your family here on earth. Maybe. It's not perfect. This life is about being part of God's family. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, you're like my brother and my sister that I'm just like, come on, man. Come to family dinner. Come hang out. Come celebrate with us. Be part of the family. I love you. And God loves you. And no matter how f you feel like you're, you're not part of the family, maybe you don't feel like you're good enough to sit at his table, he's prepared a place for you, friends. And he's calling you to come home. He's calling you to be part of his family. He doesn't want you to live in this world that leads to destruction. 
He wants you to live. And he wants you to live well. Don't be afraid to lose your friends here on earth. Friends come, friends go. But our God is forever. I just want to share with you as we close. This is a family prayer that I wrote a couple years ago during COVID. I was driving in my car one day, and I was just asking God, okay, God, what now? COVID was a blessing, man. We weren't gathering here. I wasn't preparing every week to do a study. I was able to just be before God and ask him, how am I supposed to lead my family? What do you want us to do now, right? And all of a sudden, as I'm driving and just looking out in, in nature, all of a sudden these words started flowing into my heart. God was like reminding me of scripture. His spirit was moving me and he said, put these words down, put them down now. I pulled over at the side of the road and I started putting it in my notes in my phone so I don't forget. These are the words. This is how you lead your family. It wasn't until this week that I looked at that prayer and I received this message of being well from God. He already taught me how to live, how to live well. He gave me a, a format of how to do it. And when we read through this prayer, you're going to see worship. You're going to see expectation. You're going to see learning. And you're going to see being light. All right? So as we close today, I'd like to invite you to stand with me and, and say the prayer with me if you'd like. My family every Friday night, this is me and my wife and our six children. On a Friday night, we'll gather around the table, we'll light the candles, and we'll say our prayers. We try to do this every day, but even on Friday night, it's very special. Because I'm teaching my family how to remember Shabbat and keep it holy a set-apart time for, me, for us and God, right? Please stand with me as we honor God and worship Him. We'll say this prayer together. And if you just put your hands up before you, this is an act of submission, an act of acknowledging God. It's an act of worshiping Him. Yehovah our God, Yehovah is one. Creator of all things, we worship you alone. We thank you today for your mercies are new. Lord, let your light shine on us. We love you, Adonai Elohim, with all our heart, with all our being, and with all our strength. We will love our neighbors as ourselves. Teach us your ways, O Lord. Help us to love your word. Make us holy children of the light. We serve your kingdom purposes. Lead us by your Ruach HaKodesh. Have your way in us, Lord. All honor and glory to Yehovah. All power and praise to Yeshua HaMashiach forever. Amen. As we prepare to sing our closing song, I want to leave you with these last two verses. This is Romans 12, 1-2. It says, I exhort you, therefore, brothers, in the view of God's mercies, to offer yourselves as a sacrifice, living and set apart for God. This will please him. It is a logical temple worship for you. In other words, do not let yourselves be conformed to the standards of the olam hazeh, this world with its superficial values and customs. Instead, keep letting yourself be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you will know what God wants and will agree that what he wants is good, satisfying, and able to succeed. 
The way we can be sure we know him is if we are obeying his commands. Anyone who says, I know him, but isn't obeying his commands is a liar. The truth is not in him. But if someone keeps doing what he says, then truly love for God has been brought to its goal in him. This is how we are sure we are united with him. A person who claims to be continuing in union with him ought to conduct his life the way he did. Friends, live well, be well. <laughs>